Welcome to the Boys of Summer. This is episode number 76. See, uh, our Independence Day broadcast here <laughs> on uh, the Boys of Summer. I'm Gene Gums. We're joined by Eric Braun and Paul Arnold. Glad you could be with us. This is our uh, kind of our swan song for the 2021 season. The season is now over. We are going into the hot stove. Guys, I'm hoping we're going to have a hot stove. This whole work stoppage thing sounds a little ominous right now. There's been a couple of small free agent signings, but I get the feeling that everybody is kind of waiting until December 1st to find out if there's going to be a lockout. Do you get that feeling too? Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody is, is at this point, I think they're expecting a lockout. I don't, I don't think uh, uh, any rational person thinks that they should be wheeling and dealing right now. They're just going to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I, I agree too. Tigers made a quick move for a catcher from Cleveland, uh, from Cincinnati. But yeah, and they got that's a good one. Tucker Barnhart's a good, yeah. good, good little catcher. Right. Yeah, which makes us have a little more hope around here. But, uh, boy, everything you see, Gene, is not good for baseball. And I'm just keep on worrying. Like, how is this going to damage the sport? I, I feel so down. I need some encouragement, Gene, somehow. You know what? I wish I had some for you, but you know, we've been lucky. I mean, what was the last stop is 95, yep. right? So it was what, 26 years ago, you know, and there are people that still haven't come back to the sport that got teed off when, when, you know, they went on the stoppage then and swore they'd never go back to another game. And, it, and there are people that have stuck to that. And with the drop in the television ratings, with the drop in attendance, not, not just because of COVID, but be, because of length of games and all the other things that are going on. I think there is reason to worry. I mean, I don't look baseball is not going to die. It's part of the American fabric, but I think there's reason to be worried. And if you're Rob Manfred, you should be worried as hell. And the problem is, is that all the things I'm hearing coming out of the, all the leaks that are coming from Ken Rosenthal and John Heyman and all those guys, all the stuff we're hearing, it's all very owner friendly. I'm not hearing that there, there's a lot of bones being thrown to the players union right now. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, I think for both sides, I mean, I think they've got to be very, very cautious how long they let this drag on. Yeah, I, I tend to think it's going to end before the season um, starts. I think I think it's I think it's more of a March time frame before it goes. And then I don't know. What do you do? You have like a two week spring training? Well, or no, something? I think. No, I think what you do, I think we'll we'll see what we saw before, which could be. <laughs> Uh, we lose the first month of the season, yeah. maybe, maybe even the first month and a half. I don't think they're going to run the risk, Eric, and I could be wrong, but I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to run the risk of trying to compress spring training into two weeks. Look what happened when they tried to do that with COVID, you know, yeah, where they, where they kind of yeah. started things and then they had this real brief spring training and nobody was ready and it hurt the pitchers a lot. And I mean, literally hurt them. We had people getting, you know, coming up with injuries that they might not have gotten if they had had a real spring training. So I think you got to be really careful with that. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You can't just, you can't just rush that. And it, it would be a fiasco, um, especially for the pitchers, just even the ones that came through healthy would uh, be terrible. So yeah, I think that's right. You know, and, and especially after, I mean, we finally had guys this year, you know, they kind of had the uh, most of the COVID season off. And we, we still had a few guys this year that threw close to 200 innings, which really surprised me when you think about mm-hmm. the, the percentage increase um, uh, in innings pitched. I was really surprised that we had people pitch that much this year. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I, it kind of uh, goes along. 
Go ahead. It kind of goes along with the culture of the game these days. I mean, there's not, um, and generally speaking, starters just don't throw that many uh, innings anymore. So just anytime anybody gets close to 200 innings is kind of a shocker. But yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it certainly seems like for the most part, a lot of starters, I mean, there were, I mean, there are some teams I hardly ever saw a starter get out of, you know, past the fifth. Sometimes it wasn't even, they're lucky they got out of the fourth. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, and that's, you know, and I'm, and of course I grew up in a time, like I remember Gaylord Perry pitching and uh, Steve Rogers from the Montreal Expos used to throw 300, 350 innings a year, you know, it's crazy. But, but it's interesting. And, and I don't agree and, uh, on, uh, Alex Rodriguez with Alex Rodriguez on an awful lot. I'm not a big fan of his, um, but he, he made some pretty good points towards the end of the season. And he, his point was, is that, and John Smoltz is kind of in this same camp. They're kind of getting to the point where we saw in the playoffs, you know, everybody thought, okay, well, no problem. We'll just have these bullpen games because that's what we do in the postseason, right? But we saw in a lot of cases it wasn't working because you can get away with that in the playoffs if you haven't overworked these guys in the regular season. But I think what we saw this year with the, like for with Houston, for instance, is that these guys got worked to death this year. And then by the time the postseason came, they were just out of gas. So Smoltz and A-Rod are both kind of like, hey, we may need to think about this. I mean, I know that the analytics people say that you can do it this way, but maybe we really can't do it this way. And maybe we need to start concentrating on getting on concentrating on having starters go make a target of six innings. You know, and, and, you know, if you get the seventh, great. But right now, the, the mindset is give us four or five. Maybe. We need to go the other direction. Maybe analytics was wrong here. I know that's sacrilege to say. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> is. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've, it's kind of like a recurring line with me, but you know, you need to, even if it isn't the best thing during the regular season for you, by those, by the, uh, uh, the analytics people, especially around like stolen bases and all of, you know, the, that sort of small ball stuff that, that I personally love. Um, you know, if you're not doing that during the season, you can't expect teams to to do that great uh, at at the end of the season in the playoffs when you really need to have those skills set. And it's the same thing for pitchers and endurance, right? If you're not used to going deep, if you're not used to, I mean, even coming out of the bullpen, right? Uh, you know, there was just to me that was one of the things I took away from the postseason this year was the pitching was just kind of a mess. I mean, they, yeah. they always do, you know, I mean, things always get kind of mixed up at the end. You've got guys coming out of the bullpen who never do, but this year it, it seemed like there was an exclamation mark on it because there was just, uh, just so much, uh, so many really strong pitchers just did not do well. Yeah. With a couple of exceptions, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, we had a couple oh, yeah, of always- yeah, we had a couple of instances where guys, you know, went one guy went eight. My God, it was like the world was going to stop. He went eight innings, you know. But <laughs> but by and large, uh, I don't know that we saw a pitcher probably in eighty percent of the games. I don't know that we saw a pitcher pitch past the fourth inning. Have you ever seen so many bullpen games? It was like Never. every other game was a Never. bullpen game. No, no, it's crazy. And and uh, and so like you know, I so I'd like to see it go the other way. I don't, you know. The problem is, is, is that along with this whole part of it is, is that 
there's also a monetary factor to this. And when we're talking about work stoppage, and we're talking about the average salary in Major League Baseball has steadily gone down over the last four or five years. Part of the reason for that is because starting pitching has been devalued so much, starters, with the exception of the outliers like a Garrett Cole and guys like that, starting pitchers aren't making the kind of money they used to make because they're not expected to pitch as long as they did before. And so they're, they're almost looked at as a disposable commodity. It's almost like your bullpen for a lot of teams is more important than your starting pitchers. Yeah, it really has started to turn that way. And, you know, it's, and some of the contracts are really, uh, pretty wild that are, you know, because it is, I mean, there is, you know, suddenly there's this de-emphasis on starting pitchers and it, it still doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, those, you know, if you're going to de-emphasize it to me, it shouldn't be because of their value in game. It's more because they, you know, it's, they start, you know, you know, 20% of your games or whatever. And, uh, you know, they get injured a lot, but, but that's not, that's not the case. Right. So it's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's kind of confounding. Well, I'll say this. Now, when I've talked about how starters are being de-emphasized and the salaries have gone down for starters, here's a case, a guy that just signed a contract of what I think it was the first free agent signing of the, of the season. Andrew Heaney signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. You got a one-year contract for eight and a half million dollars. Okay. This is the same Andrew Heaney who got traded to the uh, New York Yankees this year. And in 35 and two-thirds innings, gave up 13 home runs and pitched to a 7.32 ERA. Yet this guy just got $8.5 million from the Los Angeles Dodgers because they just like to spend money. Yeah, that's – yeah, and they're kind of – they kind of break all the rules on this, right? And that's – and that was kind of the, one of the contracts I was thinking about. They just – it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Although, it's, again, it's kind of – to me, it's kind of the exception that proves the rule. But, yeah, that one – that was a wild contract. I made, just, I don't made get no it. sense. You know, and bef- more money. before we move on to something else, probably of interest to you down there in Houston, who, by the way, got beat by America's team, the Atlanta Braves. Um, <laughs> Is that so? Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. You're, you're welcome. No um, <laughs> uh, everybody is taking a look at what's going on with Justin Verlander. Yeah. What is the thinking down there in Houston? Um, I mean, is it, I mean, obviously the fans want Justin Verlander back. Do you get the sense that the Houston Astros want Justin Verlander back? Um, you know, I don't know if they did until he had his session uh, with the scouts where he yeah. was throwing through what he threw like 95, 96 miles an hour right. on his Tommy John arm. So I think if they weren't, if they didn't think they wanted him back, I, I have a feeling they do they, now. <laughs> they have come around. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, and it, it sounds like, yeah, from all, everybody was there. And of course the Yankees were there and the Dodgers were there and the Red Sox were even there. And, you know, the, but the question becomes is, is that, you know, Justin Verlander is going to be looking for a contract that is, you know, I mean, in I don't know that he's going to make Max Scherzer money or Garrett Cole money, right. but if he was healthy, he would. Yeah, and they, uh, I mean, they did make a qualifying offer, which was like eight, what, eighteen million. Eighteen I think, million, was yeah. A, yeah. So, um, so you know, I mean, I, I think he'll get a little bit more than that. I think he's probably more of a twenty million guy, but uh, I think I'm sure he wants two years at least, probably. Yep. So, so, uh, I, and I would, 
I would think the Astros would step up for that. I think they'd be crazy not to, but it's going to be interesting to see who else in the mix. Well, because the, uh, you know, obviously the, the Dodgers will have some money uh, to, to spend since uh, they didn't make a, a qualifying offer to Kershaw. So um, they're obviously letting him kind of see what the market holds. Um, but uh, there's, yeah, there's going to be some money thrown around, uh, especially after that. Um, and he may be the, the last free agent signing um, before the shutdown, if it happens. Uh, but I'd say likely it's probably going to go on into next year. You know, the interesting thing you mentioned, Kershaw, uh, the Dodgers have said that they did not offer him. Uh, they did not give him a qualifying offer, not because they didn't want him back, but because right. he wasn't healthy yet. And they didn't want to put the pressure on him to make a decision when he wasn't quite healthy. So they, they wanted to, uh, to give him a chance to get healthy and then he could make a best decision for himself. But they, they said, if he wants to come back, he's coming back. So really, I guess it's a question of whether Clayton Kershaw wants to come there or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, uh, why wouldn't he? Um, so that, well, the first of all, that's a good question. Maybe he's somebody, from, I mean, he's I'd, from, he's from Texas. I mean, I don't, I, right. Unless he wants to go pitch for the Texas Rangers. Yeah. So I, the, one of the, I listened to the Buster only podcast earlier today and he was saying that he thought maybe it was more of a respect thing so that he, if he wanted to test the free agent market, he could go okay. out and, okay. and see. And, and if they didn't make the qualifying offer, then the other team wouldn't have to, uh, you know, give up a draft pick. Okay. So, so he and that that makes some sense uh, to me, I guess. Um, but uh, I, whenever somebody talks like that, I'm kind of like, well, I, don't know. I think they maybe want to. Yeah, that sounds a little happy. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds skeptical. Yeah, that sounds skeptical. That's a little skeptical. I'm skeptical. Yeah, but but you know, and look, if you're the Dodgers, um, do they need Clayton Kershaw? I mean, everybody could use Clayton Kershaw, even he, even if he's not the Clayton Kershaw he used to be, but. You know, when you've got when you've got uh, Arias and you've got Walker Bueller and you've got Max Scherzer, who everybody seems to think is going to re-sign in Los Angeles. I mean, that's a pretty good one, two, three right there. Walker, I mean, uh, Clayton Kershaw is your then your number four guy at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and maybe maybe it's a pride thing for Kershaw. Maybe he doesn't want to be the number four guy. Maybe he wants to go and be a big fish in a small pond at say the Texas Rangers where he would suddenly become a God to everybody that comes to ball games there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, I mean, I think that's a, a, a reasonable assumption. What I read was that he's thinking about retirement a little bit that really he's made I his money. Okay. Uh, he's really involved in his nonprofit foundation and the Dodgers are giving him a chance, but I ha- I'm like you guys, if somebody's trying to do me a favor like this, you sort of wonder which who are they really looking out for here, <laughs> right. um, and so yeah. I don't see Verlander going out to Dodgers. My fear, my great fear, is Verlander's going to the Yankees. The Yankees, I know. I've yeah. just, I'm just no, saying, you no, imagine no. Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander at the top of that road? No. Just kill me, just kill me now. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, possibly retiring, man. I hope he doesn't do that, but perhaps he will. But the, I have to be honest, the, the retirement that shocked me was when Buster Posey retired this week. Uh, now, and, and what was interesting was, is this was a great, great kept secret. Posey knew before the season started, he was going to retire. Hmm. 
I mean, he told he told uh, a reporter that he had made the decision before the season started that this was going to be it for him. And I mean, if you're Buster Posey, uh, man, what a great season to have to go out on, you know, and uh, that's going to be a huge loss for that San Francisco Giants team. It is. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and, I mean, and, go, and he's going immediately to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I have to. I mean, I think. Am I wrong? Yeah. No. Definitely. No. He's he's a. Oh, good. You scared me for a second. I don't know. <laughs> got, you got quiet on me. I don't so know. I'm, I was thinking, I, will the Giants go after Salvi now, Eric? You know, they need a catcher. Now there's silence. <laughs> Salvi's not. A, no. He's not. He's not a free agent. No, the Royals haven't for quite a there while. Is, I mean, there is they, no way the Royals are trading him. The fans would be. Yeah, out the Royals. Of, they would come out to the stadium with. Pitchforks. Yeah, yeah, that would that is extremely unlikely, especially now. You know, I think the Royals have high hopes for next year, and uh, yeah, I would be smashing things. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, and you know, I don't know where they. I mean, they're going to have to trade. You know, the problem is, is that uh, there's not a lot of free. There's not a lot of catchers out there. You know, the good catchers. So you know, I don't know where they go. But Buster Posey is a guy that you know, when you have a catcher with a career batting average of three oh two. That's an automatic Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's got, yeah, he's got stats for days. Oh, no question. You know, no question. So, all right, let's get to, uh, we've got award season coming up. And uh, everybody pretty much thinks they know who's going to win. I always, this, this is the joke. I love this. They call this, uh, the Major League Baseball releases what they call the finalists. These aren't finalists. It's not like this is some competition. What they're doing is telling you who the top three vote getters are. So I love the fact that they call it finalists. Let's let's start and we'll go through these and then you guys can weigh in and tell me uh, uh, who you think is going to win. Let's start out with manager of the year. Uh, first in the National League and your candidates are Craig Council from the Milwaukee Brewers, Gabe Kapler from the San Francisco Giants and the fired <laughs> Mike Schilt of the St. Louis Cardinals. And I have to tell you, he's not going to win it. But I'm rooting for Mike Shield to win it just yeah. to stick it to the Cardinals. Yeah, take that, Cardinals. Yes, correct. I mean, I think there's only been one other manager who got fired and was named manager of the year. And I want to say, was it Joe Girardi? Oh, that kind of sounds from right. From the Marlins? Yeah. That he might have gotten fired from the Marlins or something and then got named manager. I think it was him. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was him. But Look, what a great run the Cardinals had at the end of the season to make it into the playoffs. And, and I don't know what happened in St. Louis, and nobody's ever going to tell us. You know, they said it was philosophical differences, and I, I have to think it's got to be something to do with analytics because uh, yeah. he's a pretty old-school kind of guy. But I'm rooting for him. But I think, you know, I think this is a no-brainer. I think this is a Gabe Kapler win. Yeah, Gabe Kapler in, in a yeah, walk. I agree. I mean, I would be if, if it's not, I mean, that'd be a huge upset in my mind. Uh, if we go over to the American League, this one's a little bit more interesting. Uh, and the candidates here are Dusty Baker from the Astros, Kevin Cash from the Rays and Scott Service from the Seattle Mariners, who kept the Mariners in it right up until the last week of the season. Yeah, um, I, I, all these guys did a good job. Uh, I'm I'm picking Dusty. Um, of course you, know, you just, are. Of 
course I am. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think he had a really hard job and he did also did an excellent job. The team got to the world series. So obviously he, uh, he seems to know what he's doing. I do think, uh, Alex Cora, uh, should be one of those three. I was I, a little surprised. I, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised he was not in that mix. Cause especially after the way things went last year, right. Um, he really turned that team around. And I, I do think a lot of that is clubhouse management. And I think Cora did a good job of, of turning that team around. Yeah, I agree. Dusty Baker. I, I just think he's such a class guy. I didn't want him to win with those Astros, but when you saw how he handled his team and how the other players, every player respects him. And he goes mm-hmm. out the night they recognize Hank Aaron and Hank Aaron's widows there and his kids are there. And they all know dusty. I mean, dusty's like almost royalty in baseball right now. So I say give yeah. the dusty. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a sentimental pick too. Right. So yeah, that's, I think, I think there's a piece of that. I still, I think Kevin cash wins it. If I had a vote, I'd probably vote for Kevin cash simply because he has the lowest payroll or next to lowest payroll in baseball. And they won a hundred games. Yeah. And with, you know, and with guys that you couldn't pick out of a lineup, Dusty Baker had a loaded lineup. You know, I mean, I know they had to deal with a lot of injuries and stuff like that. Uh, the Astros had a superior lineup in my opinion. I just think Kevin cash and we had this conversation. I don't know if it was on a last show or the one before that, you know, as much as I hate what the Rays do, uh, I think he's the best manager in baseball. So uh, my my heart says Dusty Baker, but my head says Kevin Cash is going to win it. Were you surprised that Brave Snicker wasn't even on the list? Yes, and I was also yeah, su- yeah I was also surprised that Alex Anthopoulos wasn't one of the final three for the executive of the I year know. in baseball as well. Now look, uh, the guy from the the San Francisco Giants won it. I mean, they won 107 games. It's hard to argue with that. But the fact that Alex Anthopoulos, with all the moves that he made in the regular season, wasn't one of the top three, shocked me. It absolutely did. Yeah. All right. Carter, when, when was the last time the, the World Series winning manager wasn't in the... Good question. Uh, yeah, that's got to. I got to think that's, that's a, goes you know, back that's ways. It's a, a good question. I hadn't thought about that. By the way, I just looked it up. It was Joe Girardi who won it back in <laughs> two thousand and six and got fired that year. <laughs> Thanks for the cup by the off. by the Florida Marlins. Well, and look, they they were they were under five hundred. They were seventy eight and eighty four that year. But he won Manager of the Year because everybody figured that they were going to win about fifty games. Mm. <laughs> So he did a heck of a job and got fired. So, so it was him. So I'm still rooting. I'm still rooting for Mike Schilt. He's not going to win it, but I'm rooting for him anyway. All right, let's go to uh, uh, rookie of the year in the National League. And this comes down to uh, Trevor Rogers from the Marlins. And I, I mean, I saw him pitch a little bit. Uh, Jonathan India from the Cincinnati Reds and Dylan Carlson from the St. Louis Cardinals. It seems to me, and I could, again, could be wrong here, but this seems to me this is Jonathan India's uh, to lose. I mean, 21 homers this year, uh, 34 doubles. You know, he hit 270. Uh, Seems like the no-brainer here. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, he had speed. He's kind of the whole package there. I thought he, uh, and I don't, I'm not that familiar with him. I was looking at the stats earlier tonight and kind of going yeah. over these guys. And, oh, it's because yeah, he's, it, he's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. There, there's a reason 
Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, he is uh, strong. Um, you know, Rogers had a really nice strong year. year. Yeah, two six four ERA. Also, and he threw for a lot of innings, 133 innings. So for a rook. Um, so uh, you know, I you could make a case there, but yeah, I think it's India's. Yeah, I'll go with that too. I mean, the Reds don't get much love, but they should give a lot of love to India. And, and that's all right. India will be there for a couple of years, and then the Reds will trade them or something because they won't want to pay them. I mean, they're they're unloading everybody now. I mean, it's crazy. They're looking to trade everybody. They've said they're. I mean, this is a team that was in the race for quite a while this year, and now it looks like they're going to retool. That's uh, you know, that's another one of those franchises that's been an embarrassment for a long, long time. Just the the big red machine, it ain't. Uh, all right, let's see the national, the American League Rookie of the Year. Interesting, we have uh, two. Tampa Bay Rays as the top three vote getters. Randy Orozarena, Wander Franco, who came up uh, midway through the year, and then Luis Garcia from the Houston Astros. So the question here is, is do Franco and Orozarena cancel each other out? Do they split the vote and open the door for Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros? I, I I suppose that could happen, but I th- I think one Wander Franco is your is your AL Rookie of the Year. Um, uh, he just you know for the season he had he had two what two eighty eight had a little bit of pop. Um, you know the guy's uh, uh he's a he's a future All Star for sure. So uh, I I think he's your guy. I, Luis Garcia one hundred fifty five innings. Yeah. For a rookie, that's a lot of innings to throw, and had some nice stats on top of that. So yeah, he was pretty good, and you know Franco owned. The Red Sox. The difference is you look at it, and that's the problem is Franco only played 70 games. Right. Randy right. Rosarena so, played 141 games, and he hit 274 with 20 homers and 69 runs batted in in 141 games. So, you know, that's the thing. You know, Franco, I think, is is the better of the two players. But, yeah. you know, does he get penalized for only playing 70 games? Maybe. What a cool name, Wander, for somebody who might be a free agent, you know? It's going to be a while before it's going to be a while yeah. before he'll be a free agent. I'll tell you that. Although you never know, Tampa's not it's, going to sign him Tampa, more yeah, because they signed nobody. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a, so that's a thing, you know, with uh, the the thing that might help uh, Dusty get the manager of the year is that you know they they have two uh, two guys for the uh, rookie of the year in Tampa Bay. So um, well, maybe maybe uh, maybe uh, you know maybe not, it's, it's not such a uh, it's not such a no name lineup anymore. All right. How about uh, let's go to National League Cy Young Award. And this goes down to Corbin Burns of the Brewers. Um, Max Scherzer of the uh, Washington Nationals slash Los Angeles Dodgers and right. Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. Yeah. So I, I've got to go with Max. For the Cy Young, um, yep. just because of the year he had, and his WHIP was like not even nine eight six four. Yep. Um, uh, but boy, you look at uh, Zach Wheeler's numbers. He had a seven point seven WAR, um, uh, and just uh, pitched two hundred and thirteen innings. I mean, when he's how, was he the, about the only guy who pitched over two hundred innings? I think probably? there were I think there were only two pitchers this year that threw yeah. two hundred innings. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you could, I, I'm. I'm I think it's going to be Max, but man, you could really make a strong case for Zach Wheeler. You know, it's one of those things where, again, where you look at awards 
And you, you have to ask yourself the question. And I, and I always ask myself this question with most valuable player, but you know, does it matter what team you play for? Does it matter if your team is in contention or not? Yeah, that's uh, with the Cy Young. I think I, I tend to look at that less. In fact, I kind of ignore the one loss yep. just because you're right. Because you know, it, it, that takes offense into consideration. Right. So especially with Cy Young, I, I kind of ignore the team and the, I mean, you know, had, uh, if, if that was important, Zach Grinke never would have won his Cy Young. So point. that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Well, and the interesting, I think Max wins it as well. And, and what's interesting here, he'll, he'll become just the fifth pitcher to win four or more Cy Youngs. Wow. Uh, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Steve Carlton, and Greg Maddox are the only other four guys to win four. Well, that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty that's good not, company right that's, there. That's real good company. So I think you're right, though. I think uh, I think Max wins this as well. Uh, let's switch over to the American League. This is this is an interesting one. Uh, Garrett Cole from the Yankees, Lance Lynn from the White Sox, and Robbie Ray, perhaps the most uh, surprising guy to be on this list. Robbie Ray. Uh, the year before with the Arizona Diamondbacks was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. And then you look at what he did this year. I mean, he threw 193 innings and had a whip of 1.04. Yeah. The guy, I, I, I barely know him. <laughs> and I was looking at the stats today and I was blown away. Yeah. yeah. Six point six point seven war. I mean, that is out of control. 109. And he pitched more innings than the other guys too. 193. So right. he's uh uh, to me, he's, I think he's your Cy Young winner. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, and Lance Lynn, and, and you wonder, because Robbie Ray had these numbers, Lance Lynn was hurt at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, again, his numbers were very, very good. What, he th- threw to a two six nine ERA. Garrett yes. Cole's numbers were really, really good. But he stunk at the end of the season. And I know the voting happened before the postseason. But in that wild card game against the Red Sox, he was hideous. <laughs> Terrible. But, I mean, 243 strikeouts in, in 181 innings, ERA of 3.23. But I think his finish really is what hurts him. So I think yeah. you're right. I think Robbie Ray probably wins this thing, which will be not only should he not only will he win the award, he should also win comeback player of the year. As bad as he was in you know the last couple of years in Arizona, that would be a hell of a story. Yeah. Paul, welcome back. Yeah, I know. I had to take a quick break there. Um I just was curious, did any of these um, pitchers throw a no-hitter this year? Does that make a difference? Because it seems to me no that difference. when you have that great a moment during the year, it helps you win the Cy Young. Everybody pays attention a little more. And my vote always goes to Big Max because he pitched a Tiger, sentimental, and I love his uh, Indeed <laughs> ads too. <laughs> those are pretty good ads. Those are pretty funny. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, Mariano Rivera does one of those too. Yep. Those are, I actually enjoy that. And somebody else does. Who was it? it was Mariano Max. And there's one other guy that does them. And I can't remember. The, I think there was three baseball players that did them. But uh, but I think I think I think Max will definitely win it in the National League. I think Robbie Ray is going to win it. But I was just looking at Robbie Ray's numbers in the covid year for Arizona. He had an ERA of six point six two. Oh, six point six two. And the year before that with Arizona, his ERA was four point three four. You know, so this is a guy that's kind of uh, uh, come out of nowhere. And uh, and he signed a very team-friendly contract 
for the uh, uh, for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and I, th- I believe it's a one-year deal. So he's going to be talk about a guy that's going to make some change in the offseason if we have an offseason. Uh, you know, he's got a chance to make some money. All right, let's move over to the most valuable player award in the National League, and your candidates are one of the most hated men in baseball, Bryce Harper, a guy who's very talented, but I have a hard time rooting for. Uh, Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals and Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. Who's your favorite to win it? So, I, don't, I don't mean who's your favorite person. I mean, who's, <laughs> your, who's your favorite to win it? So I think it's, first of all, it's, it's amusing to me that we always talk about on this podcast that the MVP should be from a team that, you know, had a really good year and none of them did none of, none of, none of them none qualifier. Of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I can't, I can't go with Tatis just because to me it's, it's one thing and I'm not, I'm not as big of a stickler as, as Gene on that. They have to be from a great team, but on a team that underachieved to the level that the Padres did, I just, I can't do Tatis. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving the vote to Harper. Um, I say vote like I have a vote. Uh, as, as far as I know, <laughs> baseball, the baseball writers have just, you know, he, he was, he didn't have as high of a war as the other guys, um, uh, which is a stat I do pay attention to. Um, but to me, he's just, he's just one of those all around guys. He had a better year on a team that, that did overachieve a little bit. Um, so that's, uh, that's that's how I ended up on Harper, but I'm I'm not super committed there. I thought it was kind of a weird group of players. <laughs> You're not super committed. This is not like you're engaged to somebody, you know, Eric. But I get it. Bryce is sort of those <laughs> guys that like, okay, if I have to, you know, it's like, yeah, right. Do I have yeah. to ride with him in the roller coaster? Okay, if I have to. I mean, <laughs> um, so I agree. I think Bryce Harper's going to get it. Uh, Juan Soto. The t- Nationals were so bad this year. How can you give it to them? Uh, you know, you look at Bryce. I mean, he led the league in uh, in slugging. He led the league in on base plus slugging. Uh, and and the most impressive thing for me with Bryce Harper is trying to keep his team in it. And they were still technically in it up until the last couple of weeks. He hit 19 of his 34 home runs after August 1st. Yeah. So I mean, he play, and and his OPS in the final 60 games of the year was like 1,200. You know, so he played his best baseball down the stretch and tried to carry that team single-handedly uh, into the playoffs. So, as much as I, I have, I don't like the guy. I, I, I think he, I think he wins it. I think he wins it. Uh, all right, let's go over to the American League. And uh, if you listen to anybody who's anybody, this is a slam dunk and should be a unanimous choice for Shohei Otani. Uh, the other schlubs that uh, get to right along with him are Marcus Semyon from the Blue Jays and Vlad Jr. from the Toronto Blue Jays. I still think Salvi should have been one of the final three, but yeah, it's, it's Otani walking away. Yeah. Uh, he's going to win it. I don't want him to win it, but that's fine. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. I, and I, you know, and I've said this on my show and I'm not saying that the, what the guy does isn't special that, that nobody else is doing it. I get it. Right. But look, yeah, all right. He hit 46 home runs. He drove in 100 runs. I get that. You know, he walked a lot because people are pitching around him. I get all that stuff. But he still didn't hit for a high average. Um, He's mostly a designated hitter. 
And his pitching stats are okay, but he's not, you know, it wasn't like he put up Max Scherzer numbers. I mean, his, he's, he's good, but he's not, to me, he wasn't great at either one. He was good, but he wasn't great at either one. I think if it were me, Vlad Jr. wins it. And in any other year that Shohei Otani isn't in this, Vlad wins it. Here's my question. If Shohei Otani is that great and everybody says he has to win this because he does this, does that mean Shohei Otani is automatically the MVP of the American League every year because he pitches and hits? Because nobody else does it? Does that mean he has to win this every year? Because that's what everybody seems to be saying, is he has to win it because he's doing something nobody else does. Well, um, I think... Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead, well, Paul. What's the, you know, most valuable player means that you're the player on the team that makes the biggest difference of all the players on all the teams, right? That without you, they'd have a much worse year, that he contributes more, uh, that uh, he does more. You just said Bryce Harper practically carried the team. Without uh, Trout this year, the Angels needed Shohani pretty bad. And yes, it wasn't the best pitching of the whole league. Yes, it wasn't the best hitting. But combined, it is pretty impressive. I don't think this is setting a president that he's going to win it every year at all. And I agree. That's, that's Vlad was me, impressive, but I don't think it does. I think it just okay. says for the angels this year, for him to pull this off without trout around is super impressive. Let's give it to him. Yeah. It feels like more of like a one year and then like next year, you're going to have to prove it again. Right. It's, I, I it's hope that. so. I hope so. And, and Paul, Paul, you make a good point. And, and maybe this is, maybe that's something that I'm not taking enough uh, into account. The, and that's the fact that Trout wasn't there for most of the season. So Otani did not have that protection in the lineup of having Mike Trout there. So, you know, you make a point that, that, that you know, without Trout, he did have to kind of work a little bit harder, as it were. So I'll give you that one. How about that? It was pretty much him and nobody. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, got I mean, a point. it really was. all right uh so that's the awards that we have coming up uh just a couple of notes on free agency like i said we've seen andrew heaney uh i don't know you know what's going to happen with max scherzer but the big names that everybody is talking about is this big free agent shortstop class and of course it's led by perhaps one of the most hated players in baseball and that's carlos correa uh, or maybe he's mostly just hated by the Red Sox. I'm not sure. Uh, but then you have Corey Seager that everybody you know wants to know what he's going to do. Trevor Story from the Colorado Rockies. Marcus Semien, who played second base mostly for Toronto, but traditionally has been a shortstop his entire career. Javier Baez from the New York Mets. I mean, you've got five top flight shortstops there. Um, and, and to me, I mean... Out of that five, I guess Correa makes the most money out of him because of his age. Do, I mean, it, it, is he the cream of the crop? Man, he's really good. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big Correa fan either, but he is really, really good. I think the Astros are going to make a pretty big push to keep him. Okay, I hope. Um, so. Yeah, uh, I hope. So. Please, I'm sure I, you do. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I think. I think that's. I tend to think that's how that's going to go. They'll, that'll be their big free agent signing if they can. Uh, yeah, I'd also, you know, I'm I'm going to be watching the Royals really close um, for uh, on the shortstop because they've got Bobby Witt Jr., who's the top prospect I think at all of baseball. 
mm-hmm. um, uh, at coming up at shortstop. Nicky Lopez had an incredible year at shortstop, and I think the Royals might be willing to trade him for uh, uh, some, you know, uh, for some pitching, especially. Um, so we'll, I'm kind of watching that. I think he could be on there, and I think he'd kind of have a dark horse uh, a mover on the on the market. They do, of course. They've also got uh, Alberto Mondesi. And, you know, they have three really good shortstops. Montesi's had a lot of injury problems, but he's very good. And he moved to third this year because of the year Nicky Lopez was having. So I think the the Royals could could be in that mix as far as trades with involving shortstops. The other question is: is which one of these guys does the New York Yankees get? Yeah, <laughs> because you know they have to get one of them. Glaber Torres was a train wreck. At shortstop, it got to the point where they had to move him off of shortstop. So the Yankees are going to spend money for one of these shortstops. Who yeah. Do they, who, who, who do you think they will target? Well, it could certainly be Correa, but um, they've actually expressed interest in Nicky Lopez of the Royals. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, I, who knows? Um <laughs> They make such bad decisions, but but Carlos Correa is is kind of like the kind of guy they go after the big big hitting bombastic. He has the confidence to to thrive in New York. Um, unlike you know a lot of guys can get a little spooked, right? Uh, so uh, so yeah, I don't man. I, I think Corey I know probably. I think go Corey ahead. Seager is going there. Uh, yeah, that could be, be for sure. Uh, I mean, if you're Corey Seager and your team, the Dodgers. Traded for Trey Turner in the middle of the season, who's a shortstop. Now, and and he played second fiddle, and he came and played second base. But Trey Turner is a natural shortstop, mm. and he's making less money than Corey Seager. Corey mm. Seager is going to get a boatload, I think, on the free agent market. I could see the Yankees throwing a lot of money his way, and I think Corey Seager may be the guy that ends up in New York. Mm. Not sure I like that idea, but I think Corey <laughs> Seager could be the guy. Mm. Um, what about your Tigers? Are they going to be in the free agent market? Yeah. Do but, they have, do they have money to spend? Yeah, they do. But I think if they're going to take somebody that has upside, not somebody who's peaking right now, I see them trading. Maybe I don't think they'll trade with the Royals because it's the same division, but, right. um, yeah, they definitely are. Hinch is really confident that he can develop players or get the best out of players. So I don't see them going after the top three. I said several podcasts ago I wanted them to get Story or Seager, but I don't think it's going to happen now. Uh, Baez uh, might happen. Um, you know, yeah. here's you know here's an interesting thought. I just thought about this with AJ Hinch in Detroit. What are the chances that AJ Hinch could call Carlos Correa up and say, "Carlos, no, you you could be a star no. up here in Detroit." No, no. Seriously, what do you think chances of that are? Slim, you know, we do have a little city called Hell here, and it just froze over today. <laughs> and the road to to Hell, it, literally, the road, the name, the the county commissioner named the road to Hell Darwin. So there's a little <laughs> sense of humor up here. It's not good intention street. No. Ooh, oh. nice. Ooh, very good. Well, we shall see what happens. Let's hope that we don't have a work stoppage and uh, we are not uh, doing our next podcast after the first of the year uh, talking about whether or not 
uh, we're going to have a spring training. Let's hope the next podcast we have will be right around Christmas time. First part of the year. We'll be talking about the hall of fame. That'll be nice to talk about. And that might be the only baseball we have to talk about. If we do have a work stoppage before we get out of here today, guys, and uh, it is Thanksgiving season. And so I want to ask each of you, what is it that you are thankful for? Paul Arnold, let's start with you. I'm extremely thankful for my wife who puts up with so much and is has likes to have fun and, and go and do things that I'm I'll just stop there because we've been married 34 years and it's been great. And so, Audrey, thank you so much for putting up with me. Oh, boy, what a suck up. What do you got? Uh, you're um, going to say Amy, aren't you? Um, well, obviously, I'm always thankful for Amy. But um, even though she's a Cardinals fan, even though she's a Cardinals fan. Yeah. Um, And but she's been sticking it to me all day about how the Cardinals had four golden gloves and the Royals only had two. (laughs) Only, only, only two. Anyway. So. uh, So, yeah. So uh, I think think, did the uh, Cardinals have five. I think they had five. five. Yeah, that's right. Five out of six. Yeah. Yeah. They had six nominees. The only one who didn't get it um, uh, was the, uh, the catcher who's I'm just blanking right now Molina Molina yes thank you Amy will shoot me if she hears that so <laughs> the blooms blooms off that rose um but uh so uh, the reason we're recording this on a Sunday night is because I was at a funeral this last week for one of my one of my best friends uh from college and uh I, you know I spent last week just hanging out with with old friends who we hadn't been uh, together in some of us in 30 years. And it was just, you know, it was just like, you know, just like a pair of old shoes, man, just getting together and just laughing and drinking too much and having too much fun. And, uh, you know, so I just, you know, I'm just thankful for those friends that, uh, that you can just get back together with. And it's just like us every, every, uh, every two weeks in the summer. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, it was a, it was a tough week, but, um, uh, but, but also really good. And, and those, you know, those times are nice when you can get together with, um, with people, even when it's a sad occasion. You know, it's interesting. And of course, I mean, I have to, if I, if I didn't say I was thankful for Barbara, this would be the last podcast or anything <laughs> right. or anything else I would be doing in this life. Um, but you know, it's interesting when you were talking about, you know, your friend that passed away and, and I, and I think as we get older, it kind of affects us all a little bit more, doesn't it? When you, when, all of a sudden, your people that are your age or even younger are passing away, or people that mm-hmm. you grew up. I mean, uh, Graham Edge from the Moody Blues died this week, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, Moody Blues one of my favorite bands of all time. Saw him in concert, and you know, I mean, it just and, and it and it hits you, and and you and you're like, how much time do I have left? You know, and, and I think we yeah. all start thinking about that, and we need to make sure that we enjoy what time we have left. So the other thing that I am thankful for is I am thankful, and this is probably said to almost no one ever. I'm thankful for the internet and you know why? (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you why, because it brought me Paul Arnold and Eric Braun. If it weren't for the internet, there would have been no great American man, right? There would have been, uh, there would have been no sports country radio or anything else. And, and it gave me a chance to make two new friends that I would not have been able to make otherwise. And I am looking forward to my move to North Carolina. I'm going to be closer to both of you so that at some point here in the next couple of years, we will find a way to uh, all get together. Maybe we'll all meet in Nashville or something and uh, and uh, we'll have a party. Uh, but I am thankful for uh, 
I, I, I'm thankful for being able to talk to you guys every couple of weeks. It's really one of the highlights of my week. So, uh, so thank you guys. Uh, and, uh, that's going to do it for episode number 76 of the boys of summer. We'll be back. As I said, right after Christmas or the first part of the new year to talk about the hall of fame and please pray to everything that is holy, that there is no lockout for Eric Braun or Paul Arnold. I'm Gene Combs. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the boys of summer.